remember, this is still Donald Trump we're talking about. So just because we have a list of names doesn't necessarily mean, you know, don't be surprised to see freaking Judge Judy. You know. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content. More conversation coming up after this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Stunning news from the Supreme Court that could have huge aftershocks in Washington and here in Indiana as Justice Anthony Kennedy announces he's retiring. So what will that mean this election year in an already polarized political climate? Our Matt Smith here with me today as well. You spoke with Senator Joe Donnelly, who's up for re-election this year. And Matt, you were actually in the middle of an interview about other topics when this news broke. The end of a press call when we were talking about the farm bill originally, and the senator was posed a final question. The news broke just across the wires. When he heard the news, we heard the news. He was asked the question. Take a listen. Yeah. This was the moment Senator Joe Donnelly learned the news that a vacancy was about to open up on the Supreme Court. His reaction? Unmistakable. I did not hear that. This is the first um, that I've heard about this. And so, um, you know, everybody, uh, he, he has served our country well. He has uh, provided us um, with measured and constant judgment. And um, I think he's, he's somebody that we'll miss on the Supreme Court. At some point, a nominee will come forward, and um, as I've said before, I have no litmus tests. I will judge the person um, on the merits of the case, just as I did with uh, Judge Gorsuch. And so, um, you know, I, I voted for Judge Gorsuch because I thought, on balance, that um, he was appropriate and a good fit for the Supreme Court, and um, whoever is nominated and comes forward will do the same. There you go, and literally the moments after this announcement was made, no doubt Senator Donnelly is going to face a lot of pressure on this vote. He already is. His opponent this fall already applying some of that pressure in a statement this week, Mike Braun saying, quote, I want to thank Justice Kennedy for his distinguished service to our nation and wish him well in his retirement. Given that it's an election year, I expect Senator Donnelly to vote for President Trump's nominee to distract from his liberal record. Donnelly did meet with President Trump yeah. earlier this week, last week, along with a number of other Democratic senators as that pressure continues from the White House this morning. And, of course, the big question, who will the president yeah. choose? A lot of conversation now about the future makeup of the court, especially after several newsworthy decisions in recent days. The court ruling on the president's travel ban making news this week as well. Nick McGill has reaction on that case. While disappointing, I guess, history will tell uh, where this decision ultimately stands. Calling on Hoosiers to take action, leaders from the ACLU of Indiana, Exodus Refugee Immigration, and the Muslim Alliance of Indiana spoke out against the Supreme Court ruling upholding President Trump's travel ban. The court has failed to see this executive order for what, for what it really is a racist and discriminatory policy towards Muslims. The policy, which has been in place since September, bans travel from five mostly Muslim countries, as well as North Korea and Venezuela. Originally, lower courts tried to block the president's order, but Tuesday, the Supreme Court ruled it stands. When we ban people, we ban generations of Americans. Sarah Hindi with Exodus Refugee Immigration says the ruling creates a fear for those overseas who are seeking refuge in the United States, while also creating an internal fear in Indiana's refugee and immigrant communities. 
Not everyone sees it that way. Totally for it, 100%. can help protect the country. I think it's a good idea. Some Hoosiers we talk to say they support the president's right to issue an order that improves national security. And a recent Wall Street Journal poll suggests that close to half of all Americans also approve of travel restrictions. Now the advocates say it's up to Congress to create a better system. But in the meantime, it's up to Hoosiers to show those the ban effects that they are welcome here. Hoosiers are welcoming and that will not change. Americans are welcoming and we hope that those are the values that come through. The Muslim Alliance of Indiana says it plans on creating a letter campaign urging Hoosiers to contact members of Congress. That campaign is expected to start in a few days. For CBS 4 News, I'm Nick McGill. All right, Nick, thanks. Indiana Congressman Todd Rokita supports the travel ban. He released a statement saying, in part, the Supreme Court ruling finally set the record straight that this was never a ban on Muslim refugees, only a travel restriction on countries who threaten the security and safety of Americans. Congressman Andre Carson, one of two Muslims serving in Congress, wrote, today's decision will be remembered as a shameful sanctioning of discrimination and one that history will judge harshly. Congress must act as a meaningful check on an administration hostile to religious freedom and continue to fight broader efforts to discriminate against immigrants and religious minorities. Speaking of the immigration issue, this weekend protesters took to the streets across the country and here in Indianapolis, part of a nationwide protest yesterday called Families Belong Together. The situation on the border continuing to cause controversy. So many headlines to go over with our panel today. Democrat Jamar Cobb Dinard with us here today, as well as former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy, former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner, and conservative columnist and radio host Abdul Hakim Shabazz. Let's start with the Supreme Court and what this means in the midst of this midterm election year for Joe Donnelly. Um, I think what it does is this is going to be really about talking to your base and getting your base out. If you're the more liberal progressive base, you see these Supreme Court decisions, you're just mad as all heck and get out, not going to take it anymore. If you're Mike Braun of the Republicans, say, hey, this is why Donald Trump needs a Republican to make sure his nominees and agenda get through. So I think uh, pretty much this is going to boil down to you know, to the base of both parties getting out. And whoever shows it the most, that probably will determine who our next senator is going to be. Who will it be? A, a bigger motivator for, do you think, in, in 2018? <clears throat> I, I, I think it's funny that Mike Braun is already conceding that Joe Donnelly is going to give consideration to the president's nominee. He is. That's a good thing. He did that with the Gorsuch. He's going to do it with this nominee. And that's positive. So I think that voters will see that that is a genuine act of consideration by Joe Donnelly, and they will, they will see that that's the kind of common sense leadership that he provides. And he met with the president at the White House on Thursday. Already. Yeah, and, you know, those things are kind of, you know, circuses. But I, I suspect that the president will nominate Amy Barrett, the former Notre Dame law professor, which puts Joe Donnelly in an even tougher spot because he's already voted for once. He went to her university. By the way, commercial, four, four of the potential nominees. I love it. Four and 25 chance. But for back to Donnelly, he has to vote for her. He's already voted for her once, and she hasn't done anything really stupid in the year that she's been on the Seventh Circuit bench. So how does he, he go away from her? She's just been on the bench there for a, a year. What about the direction this takes the court, uh, the Supreme Court already uh, known for being a, a slightly conservative court? Could this move it in a, in a much more conservative direction? So even the conversation about the political decisions and political uh, strategy around who Donnelly is going to support and uh, agree with in the conference uh, already takes the court out of what it should be, which is separate from politics and uh, really a check and balance in our government. Uh, Doe Donnelly is going to make a decision based on the merits of this candidate. And what happens with this court is what happens with this court, which I think is going to be, it becomes more conservative. In the meantime, TV ads are already airing, targeting Donnelly's vote. Take a look. 
Justice Anthony Kennedy will be retiring. Will Senator Joe Donnelly cave to the extreme left or confirm a new justice and protect our rights? Tell Senator Donnelly help put another great justice on the Supreme Court. All right, meantime, Democrats uh, punching back at Mike Braun this week, holding a press conference with Braun's uh, famous blue shirt, saying he's left it here in the state while he's fundraising out of state. But no doubt you get the feeling in this, in this Senate race, this Supreme Court situation really could be front and center. Uh, you're absolutely right. One thing, too, to keep in mind about all these television commercials and ads going against Joe Donnelly, to the best of my knowledge, at least $8 million has been spent against Joe Donnelly, and all people have to show for it is statistically a tie in every poll that I've seen. So if you're going to spend a lot of money in the Senate race, spend it on getting out of the vote, don't waste your time on ads. And, and no doubt we'll see more spending, more <laughs> yeah. messaging throughout the year as well. Except for on Fox and CBS. Except for on Fox and CBS 4, exactly. <laughs> Plenty of ads you need. Exactly. All right, meantime, uh, we're following more of the reaction here on the Supreme Court. Matt is over at the touchscreen right now with uh, more reaction from uh, across the Hoosier state on the Supreme Court retirement, Matt. Guys, so to say Twitter exploded earlier this week when this announcement came out, a bit of an understatement, right? Let's take a look at just some of the reaction that came in uh, from Congressman Jim Banks praising Justice Kennedy and, and then going on to say replacing him with a pro-life justice brings us hope that the court will uphold right to life in future cases. Cases. Mike, he referenced the judge you talked about, Judge Barrett, uh, a former uh, worked at Notre Dame, saying she would make a great pick. Pro-life defends religious liberty, was recently confirmed by a Senate vote of 55 to 43. He heaping praise on her as well. You then look to uh, our state senator, Mike Delf. He says game changer. Literally two words. That's all. Mike, I want to pose this question to you. So does this have any influence in what state lawmakers may throw out as a test balloon in terms of any new legislation here in the state? No, I mean, I have a lot of respect for Mike Delft because he won a tough primary and he continues to win despite opposition from a lot of significant groups. But I don't think his opinion is going to sway a single mind or opinion on the U.S. Supreme Court. But or you do have people saying, could this, uh, could a new justice on the court mean Roe versus Wade somehow gets to the Supreme Court and, and 20 if, or 30 states here, talk here's, about here's changing the, thing. the law? If, if some lawmaker, and I've seen a lot of the discussion this week, if you were to pass, if a legislature were to pass, quote unquote, a law banning abortion 100% altogether, it's going to take you at least about 18 months to get to the Supreme Court, which is, by the way, just in time for an election next in year, in 2020. Yeah. And if I don't think any smart political operative really wants that sitting out there during a presidential year, because at that point, all bets are totally going to be off as to who shows up. Nonetheless, this conversation about Roe v. Wade and its future is, is happening this week. Absolutely. And I think women have a reason to be concerned with the records of some of these folks on that list. But, you know, as Abdul said, let's let the, let's let the process play out. Let's see what actually happens. Let's see who gets nominated. And I think, uh, I can't remember the senator who said this, but this is not the only issue the Supreme Court takes up. There's actually a whole panoply of other issues that will come before this court and the nominee will be grilled on during his or her confirmation process. It's, it's also not unusual for Supreme Court justices, particularly new Supreme Court justices, to completely surprise the people that put him in that spot in the first place. I mean. Go back to Warren Burger in the 80s. He voted to uphold Roe versus Wade, um, and everybody thought he wouldn't. So Kennedy, the swing vote, yeah, the he was a Reagan. Go back to Brown yeah. versus Board of Education. Yeah, yeah. So you, know, they, you just never know. They could be, Mike. But here's the thing: looking through the list of potential contenders that Trump is looking at now, uh, each of them have been anti-gun or sorry, pro-gun, uh, pro-life, and anti-consumer. We're getting more of the same: a strong right-wing court that's going to be used as a political tool. Uh, 
in the near future and for the next generation. So how strongly should Democrats fight this? Can they? I'm not sure that we can, um, but I think we should fight pretty hard. I think we should hold Republicans to the same standard they held us to prior to the last election. Um, that being said, there are a lot of things on the line here, control of the Senate being one of them. So there's going to be a whole lot of considerations that come into play in the next, I don't know, how many days is it till the election? We're getting there, right? 171, I think. <laughs> Counting down, no <laughs> doubt. All right, as a country these days, we do seem more polarized than ever. Up next, voters weighing in on this conversation this past week about civility and politics. Plus, another mass shooting. This time, it's journalists who were apparently targeted and killed in the middle of their newsroom. We'll be right back. This past week, journalists were the target of a gunman who opened fire in Maryland in the middle of their newsroom. He'd apparently been harassing journalists at the Capitol Gazette for many years after losing a lawsuit against the newspaper. In the wake of this shooting, some have called for a softening of the anti-media rhetoric that's been so pervasive in recent years. Others sharing messages of support for journalists. Indiana Congressman Jim Banks calling it a, quote, reminder of the important work journalists do every day in communities across America. Well, without a doubt, these are contentious times. Even situations that don't involve politics directly seem to be a part of the conversation, which can be so polarizing at times. Matt's back with us now. Recently, you sat down with Indiana voters for a, a special report called Hoosiers Divided. And again, recently in the news, we've seen so many stories that really seem to divide people in very visceral ways, from the border crisis yeah. to some of the battles that we see play out on social media. And we can go back to these conversations over and over again. And we're yeah. seeing this past week the finger pointing at each other still going on. And that was visible as we look back now, just a few days ago last week. The week started with the White House demanding civility after Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders was asked to leave a restaurant last weekend. But the calls for harassment and push for any Trump supporter to avoid the public is unacceptable. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. Democratic Congresswoman Maxine Waters with that message in response. She blames President Trump. Ms. Sanders at the restaurant should have gotten a great meal and hospitality from the people at the restaurant. I think that's, you know, that's the most appropriate thing we should do. It's, it's who we're supposed to be. We're close to reaching rock bottom and continuing to dig. I just don't like this. I don't, I don't think, I don't believe either side should be ugly to the other side. All right, so let me, let me, let me go around the table quickly. Would, would you ask her to leave? No. Nope. Yes. No. 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 I wouldn't ask her to leave because I'm better than that. California voters this week weighing in with Jeff Glor, as did our group of Hoosier voters earlier this year on facing the tough and politically charged conversations head on. Do conversations like this matter? Very yes. much so. And they need Very to much so. But the, yeah, but they don't happen enough mm -hmm. naturally. And that's why people don't understand each other and there's hatred. Stephen, are conversations like this important? Uh, Jeff, I think they're important, but um, I think one of my, my biggest issues with these types of conver conversations is making sure that there is a level of respect. You know, I want to listen more because I, I'll have to say that, you know, maybe I've been living in a bubble myself and hanging out with the same type of people with the same viewpoint as me. These are key conversations that need to take place because in order for us to come back together again, 
and and be a be one people, one nation, then we, this has to happen. All right, so we're back with the panel. Mike and Jennifer, you sat in on some of those focus mm -hmm. groups. We taped those several months ago, but what they're saying still really reflects and rings true today, especially what we saw in the past week. They're as timely today as they were five or six months ago, but civility has always been, um, I think, a mirage in American politics, particularly when you get into election years and go back to Thomas Jefferson's campaigns and things that were said about him, which, by the way, turned out to be true. <laughs> but the civility, we, we have to have civility. We at least have to try for civility. I don't know if it's really an attainable goal. I think we have to try for consistency. And I don't like what happened to Sarah Huckabee Sanders any more than I like seeing women shouted down outside abortion clinics who are just going in for a pap smear. I think we have to, and I'm going to say this as the only woman and the only mom on the panel today, let's, let's employ mom rules, right? Like, if you wouldn't tell your kid to do something or not do something, like just employ that same standard yourself and we'll all be a lot happier. Is it worse in the past week or, or two or is that just a perception? We're I don't seeing? think necessarily worse. I think what, what's happened is, is a lot of things that would normally take place in a small, for example, say some college professor says something similar in the classroom, was now magnified by social media. Normally it would just stay there and now everyone has a feel to need to be outraged and, and, and voice an opinion where sometimes if I may invoke the black mom rule, having had one, sometimes you just need to keep your mouth shut and your opinion to yourself. Jamar, you're going to weigh in. What, what keeps me aghast is that the White House is asking for <laughs> civility. And it's the same White House that is uh, tearing apart uh, immigrant families at the border, the same uh, White House that's supporting immigration policies that keep Muslims out of uh, America. And it's the same White House and the same uh, administration where uh, we have districts that are so gerrymandered and the Supreme Court is supporting those same gerrymandered districts where our votes don't matter. Civility, throw it out the window. We need to stand up and start talking about what's wrong in this country so we can fix it. But you got to do more than talk. Uh, I had the best conversation with my 19-year-old niece at lunch this week. And she said, Uncle Abdul, you know what? I am so sick and tired of all my friends who say they don't like Donald Trump, they don't like this. But you know what? None of them ever went out to go out and vote. So until people go out and vote, you know, all, all this talk about no need to stand up, that's fine. But if you, you, know, if you want to make a difference, you know, don't get mean. Go vote and go vote for your candidate. You know, Jamar is right. The President Trump is saying things that no American president, Republican or Democrat, has ever said in the past, quite frankly. But we also have a complete breakdown in party cohesion. We have the never Trumpers and then we have the Trumpistas on the Republican side. On the Democratic side, you just had a socialist defeat the fourth most powerful Democrat in the House. And what that says is that we have literally civil war within both of our parties, and that leads to more tribalism. Well, more tribalism, harder feelings, more extreme statements, all kinds of things. And it's, it's not good. Let's turn to the shooting at the newspaper in Maryland a couple days ago. Already politically charged in and of itself. We have some people coming out and saying this is the result of Democrats, Maxine Waters. Other people saying this is the result of the president, his rhetoric. Where do we sit today in terms of what we saw in Maryland? This was a lawsuit filed several years ago, but yet at the same time, it's hard for anyone to stop making these connections, especially online. Once again, it, it goes back to, in a certain, to a certain degree, and I'm not saying social media is bad or evil, it's that everybody feels a need to offer up an opinion and be an expert when, you know, some days it's just best just to, let's just mourn, you know, feel for these people and just shut up for a few minutes. Yeah, we can't do that right now. <laughs> and, and it's awful. It was awful to watch that tragic situation where five people lost their lives, five people who were devoted to the, the profession of journalism lost their lives for no reason other than an angry guy, probably with mental uh, health issues, with a gun. And, and all we could do was politicize it. That's terrible. 
I think this is a very distinct case. I don't think it has anything to do with civility. I think it has to do with a mentally ill man who was so deranged he didn't realize the people he was after weren't even working there anymore. Yeah. So I think you have to set that aside. Um, there, are, there are levels. When I was first a legislator, I was you know, confronted with a man in my living room on New Year's Day of 1995. Fortunately, he didn't have a gun, and I was able to back him out of the house. But um, you, can, you cannot ever account for or plan for severe mental illness in, in these kinds of people. It just, it just happens. Real quick, Jamar. What Donald Trump has done has made it okay to be extreme to speak extreme and to take extreme actions. And I think that there are some people in this country that have uh, used that license to, to do some extreme and really disgusting things. Now, I don't know this man or, or, or really what his motive was there, uh, but we've got to make sure that we rein in and take appropriate steps and appropriate action when we're going to take it. A lot to come out still, guys. Thank you so much. Up next, new laws in the state of Indiana taking effect today. Why your headlights can now be illegal. We'll explain after the break. Drivers, be aware of this. Several new laws take effect today here in the state of Indiana, among them a law that bans headlights of any color other than white or amber. Other new laws include a new category in the silver alert system for missing endangered children with a mental illness or intellectual, physical or mental disability. Students will no longer be banned from using sunscreen at school. And from the gee whiz category, Hoosiers will no longer be able to legally get tattoos on their eyeballs. And starting today, the firefly becomes the official state insect. Now you know. We'll be back with this week's winners and losers right after this. All right, let's wrap it up with this week's winners and losers. Jamar, I'll start with you. The Supreme Court, the travel ban decision, wrong. The gerrymandering decision, wrong. They lost. Mike. I thought he was going to name them a winner. Our winners, my winner, is uh, the conservative values of America and John Melendez, the comedian who got patched into uh, Donald Trump on Air Force One this week. My loser is liberal va uh, values because they got trounced this past week. Okay, I'm actually not going to go political. I'm going to say to a fellow uh, political show commentator, congratulations to John Ketzenberger on more than 20 yeah. years on Indiana Week in Review, signed off on Friday. I'd say the biggest losers are uh, government unions because they can no longer take money from people who don't want to give. And the biggest winner, my good friend Jennifer Wagner, because for the first time in 10 years, we're back on the same set together. And it's great to be back <laughs> with the two of you, right? It's been a while. I remember those days. All right, thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. All right, wrapping things up now uh, on the podcast. It sounds like we wrapped it up with winners and losers. But as you know, on the podcast, we keep going. This show never ends, right? Um, Lucky us. There's always friends. more. On and on. Matt is with us still. We were talking about the interview uh, with Joe Donnelly that, that aired at the top of, of the newscast. And if, if you didn't get to see it because you're listening to this on the podcast, you can go to our website to watch uh, his reaction. You see a very uh, unmistakable reaction when he is told this news that Justice Kennedy is retiring, and you were on that, that phone call. So this is one of those like lucky or unlucky moments, depending on what seat you're sitting in, right? Yeah. So Joe Donnelly set up a press call with local reporters to talk about the farm bill. So we talked about the farm bill for probably 10 minutes, asked a couple other questions, immigration, so forth and so on. Literally, the call was ending. Like, we were saying goodbye, he was saying goodbye. Another reporter chimes in. This had literally just crossed the wire and said, hey, Senator, Senator, before you go, news has just crossed that he's retiring, Justice Kennedy is retiring. His face is, is, is I mean, you, you see it, like yeah. his, his like 
all right, I'm gonna have to answer this. I'm, I'm gonna have to campaign on this. And it was just so interesting. And I guess credit to him, he took two questions on it. Um, his press person stopped it after that, but he did answer it. He, he, he said what he said in his statement. Um, but he knew in that moment that this is gonna change things. And it looked like it was in slow-mo, by the way. Like if you go back and watch it, if you haven't watched it, watch it. Cause it, I thought it was, I thought you guys slowed down the footage the first no, time I no. saw it. But I think, okay, the funny thing is we're, we are shocked somehow that what he said in an impromptu moment after just finding out breaking news was the same thing he said in his statement, what, 10 or 15 minutes later. That's awesome. That's what you're supposed he's to get out of a politician. He's very disciplined. Yeah. He's he disciplined, but that's also who he is. Yeah, and also it's funny because uh, he had a phone call with a lot of us in the you know, radio and newspaper yeah. universe afterwards speaking with you guys. And his first thing was a statement that he prepared about <laughs> Justice yeah. Kennedy retiring and what, and saying, basically saying, you know, the exact same thing. I look yeah. forward to the president's nominee. I'll do you know, all the vetting, et cetera, et cetera. But you could see that very, I guess, very honest reaction on his face that this was going to be a big deal, that this was going to matter. Obviously, it matters for a lot of reasons nationally, but it's going to matter in the Senate race a lot. And there are already ads on the air uh, putting pressure on his vote, no doubt, um, in that moment. You could see him sort of comprehending all of those things and what it's going to mean. About that ad, though, real quick. The funny thing is, if, and if you watch the broadcast, so they actually say in the ad, uh, will Donnelly confirm another great Supreme Court justice? They're actually in their verbiage. I don't know who wrote them. They're backing, they're bolstering him for making a vote that Democrats <laughs> didn't love. But they're like, yeah, will he do it again? I don't understand the strategy there. Does he risk, if he votes for this Supreme Court nominee in the midst of everything that's going on in the controversy, does he... Does he risk losing some of his base in Indiana, progressives in Indiana, um, who maybe didn't like his vote on Gorsuch and maybe won't like the idea that the court is going in a conservative direction? If he votes for the president's nominee here, will there be less than enthused Democrats in Indiana? There certainly will be. No matter what vote he, what way he votes, and that's why this is a dilemma. There's going to be yeah. dis disappointed people, um, and but I think what's really crucial for him is to look at the best candidate for that role, um, regardless of the politics. Now, either way, he's going to have political fallout, but um, that person is seated for life, and they're going to make decisions that are going to change this country for years, and it can't be about this election this year. No, but, but I always said, though, when I was back in my political days, when you're stuck with having to make a tough decision, the, the best thing to do is just do the right thing. Period. And I have no doubt that Joe Donnelly, regardless of his politics, Joe will you know, look at the candidate, you know, look at the issues, look at their qualified, and, and he will make the right decision. I, I have no doubts about his integrity what, whatsoever. I, I, just, I had to laugh and chuckle that the progressives were all mad and like, you better not do this. Well, what do you expect him to do? Because newsflash, there's not enough of you to get him elected in Indiana. You need moderates, you need independents, you need some of those you know, Republican voters in the donut county because there's not enough of you guys. So my question to them is, where are you going to go? But, you know, I don't have any problem with his integrity, and I don't have any problem with Jamar's theory. But you have some pragmatism you have to wade through here, and that is Joe Donnelly, you know, as Frank Lund said, is going to be a ground zero of the Supreme Court vote now. He could be, by voting one way or the other, he could be trading uh, control of the Supreme or a, a more conservative Supreme Court or, or lesser than a more conservative Supreme Court for control of the Senate. There's no good choice for Joe Donnelly, and, and there's no good choice for the Democrats. What, what, what would they rather have? Would they rather bypass a further right Supreme Court, or would they rather maybe give up the, uh, the U.S. Senate, or not get control of the but U.S. Senate? But nobody who Donnelly votes for is going to be left enough for the Democrats, right? Everybody on that list 
is uh, is conservative. Yeah. So uh, really, he's in a rock and hard place, and it's a tough. But, but that's also assuming, um, remember, this is still Donald Trump we're talking about. So just because we have a list of names doesn't necessarily mean, you know, don't be surprised to see freaking Judge Judy. You know, no, but show, everybody, show. everybody on that list, they were qualified. I mean, I was looking yeah. down it. It wasn't like the, the district court uh, appointments that he was making early on that were, I mean, bad fluff. These are vetted, real folks that are serving on circuit courts and on Supreme Courts around this country. But obviously, the, the big question will also be, what have they said about Roe v. Wade in the past? What have they said about the abortion issue? Amy Barrett, uh, who has the Notre Dame background, obviously, is someone that uh, conservatives like Jim Banks look to yeah. as someone who has uh, talked about uh, pro-life uh, statements in the past and someone that, that conservatives may be pulling But Joe Donnelly's pro-life. I mean, yeah. it's not going to be a shock, I don't think unless you don't know that about him, if he votes for a pro-life justice. And he confirmed her, obviously, yeah. to the federal I mean, And if too. he votes mm -hmm. against her, just to make Jamar's point over for him, if he votes against, like, say, Amy Barrett, we'll say, it's all it is is next one up off the bench with the same, the same philosophy, generally maybe different life experience, but almost the same philosophy. So you're going to get a conservative justice on the Supreme Court. And the list that Trump has put out, it's essentially the same list that he put out during the campaign, and that list was handed to him by somebody. The Federalist he, Society, they put it together. Is that who it was? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. it was not, he did not, not have any input on that list. list. He's not, he's going to stick with the list because he doesn't want to anger his side. So, so what does Mike Brown do in this situation? We saw his statement last week where he says, well, I, I expect him to vote for the president's nominee to distract from his liberal record. Does he just sit back and watch this? Or it, what position is he in in, in all of this? Because so much attention is going to be on Donnelly. And I love my Republican friends to death, but here's a certain amount of disingenuousness from the political perspective. On, on the one hand, you're, you'll beat up on him if he doesn't vote. See, look, Joe Donnelly's voting with his, you know, the liberal, he's Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer's bidding. And if he votes for the nominee, say, well, he's only doing it out of political expediency. I mean, so get, getting back to something we talked about on the show, consistency and yeah, politics, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, would, it would be nice. You know, I'm fundamentally conservative, but I, I still got to call up my Republican friends every once in a while. Like, all right, gentlemen, yeah, I think you guys are kind of pushing it just a little bit. But Mike Braun can say both because he doesn't have to make the decision. But right? I'm going right. to flip that on. Right. Flip that narrative, though. Joe Donnelly gets to be in the spotlight. He gets to command. So Mike Braun has no choice but to sit back and put out statements, and and they have. And he in has fact, him in the hall. last few weeks, Joe Donnelly has been yeah. much more in the spotlight. Uh, Mike Braun has not been. If I were Braun, I would stay away from it. Let Joe Donnelly stew in his own juices, so to speak, right? He's going to get the, the bump in name ID if that's what he needs. But Braun should pick another issue and forcefully uh, campaign on that over the next, whatever it is, 10 to 12 weeks. Here we go, right? Headed toward the midterm. Uh, one way or Oof. the other here, it's coming. And it's going to be a busy year here in Indiana. But the best thing is... Both Joe Donnelly and Mike Braun want, they're dying, they're fighting to be on the best rated public affairs show in Indiana. <laughs> Which happens <laughs> to be one. ours. Number, number one. one. Focus. Turns That's out. fantastic. They line uh, up. Number they line one up at that door over so there. You guys can't see it, but we have, we have foam fingers on right now. <laughs> <laughs> number one. That was, that, that was just a television guys preparing you guys for me to be in, come and join you. Well, we're glad that you're here today. Um, and, and let's talk, too, about one of the issues that's sort of dominated 
dominated the news in the city this past week that uh, we didn't get the ch a chance to talk about on In Focus on television this week. The scooter controversy. I love the scooters huh? so much. My kids actually refer to them as illegal scooters because I use this as a regulatory framework conversation. Yeah, that's how much of a lame nerd I am. I talked to a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old about regulations over lunch. They're be smart kids. I think they already are. I'm not sure that I'm going to be politicians. Okay? Oh. So, I think it's, you know what, this is, this is how the process plays out. And it was really cool to, to watch them come to the same conclusion that, oh, well, the mayor said this, but the company said no. And I said, well, what recourse now does the mayor have? And my daughter, 10-year-old, she goes, well, if, if people really like him, then he's going to have to do what, what the company wants. And that's exactly what's happening. And it was a lengthy council meeting, too, the other night on this topic. But yeah. It's, it's but, just but, crazy to say, please shut down your meeting. business for 30 days till we, we figure out how to screw you. Yeah, but at the same time, and I'm not a you know, regulatory burden person to begin with, you don't just show up in somebody's town, drop off a bunch of stuff and say, here, have at it. Like, no, guys, you come talk to me first. But they were. They've been yeah, talking since yeah. April. No, let's sit, let's sit have a conversation because you're going to drop these things off because what I'm waiting for is a lawyer for somebody to get hurt because I'm sitting on a gold mine as, as soon as that happens. They, they could. I had a conversation with one of the counselors on the committee that discussed this last night, right? And yes, there's a place for uh, public protection and the public policy angle. But Indianapolis needs to push ourselves forward. And Agreed. as soon as I saw those things zipping around, I was like, this is a cool city. Yes. This is the place yeah, to be. Right? I want to be on one of those and be part <laughs> yeah. of this thing, right? They look so, fun, right. one way or the other. Have you been on I one? I haven't yet, no. Yet? Okay. But and I, I came back from Austin, Texas. I was there. They I came back. There? Like, yeah. They have yeah. them there. They're all over the place. Came back, and I, yeah, same, same reaction. I was like, oh my god, this is so cool. We've arrived. Right. So we've got to make sure that there's a balance between, yes, we do have to protect our citizens, and yes, we do have to uphold the laws. As long as you use it in the bike lanes and on the cultural trail, I am totally cool with what I'm walking. But we can't use them on the cultural trail. No, 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 but when I'm walking from the comic book store back to my law office or the radio station, I do not need to be dodging scooters. Maybe you should be riding a scooter. No, I got no problem with homeless people and panhandlers, thank you very much. Because vitamin a circle looks like a closing scene in district You zip by them faster, do we just throw your money up and just keep going? No, actually, I need to walk. <laughs> my fatter in back and oh, forth. Yeah. That's what I need to do instead oh, of being on a wow. scooter. The, um, <laughs> the one thing I think there are proper places for them and improper places, and, and there's but there's already regulations generally. For example, on the Monon, you're not supposed to have any motorized vehicles. Those things not strong, but they are but motorized. They, are motorized they should yeah. not be on the Monon. All they, right. they, but that's already underneath the rules. You don't need new laws. We'll see where that conversation goes. Definitely it's been a, a talker, fun one. right? Lots to talk about this week, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.